does it take to change a person's mind? It's a very important question. Many of us might have been thinking about that over the past years, of everything from Donald Trump to vaccinations, and now the voice to Parliament. While the public discussion on these issues in the mainstream media and even more so on social media is dominated by those with loud voices and fixed views on either side, there are some people, public figures, who are looking at what's happening really in this referendum campaign and deciding to change their mind. And that is no doubt front and centre for campaigners on both sides of the voice referendum as we count down to polling day. So we thought we'd speak to two prominent Australians who have publicly changed their minds over the lead up to the voice referendum, but for very different reasons. Joining me now is Tarnine Onus-Brown, who's a film, a writer, a filmmaker and community organiser and a Gunjamara Yorta Yorta and Torres Strait Islander. They don't support the voice, but they will vote yes to the proposal. Proposal. And Russell Broadbent is with us too. He's a Liberal MP. He represents voters in the Victorian seat of Monash. He was a vocal backer of The Voice until just recently, and he now supports the No case. Welcome to you both. Thank you. Um, Russell Broadbent, you announced just recently, and I saw it reported, that you changed your position after hearing from Indigenous leaders, one woman in particular, Kurnai Elder Auntie Cheryl Drayton. What did she say to you that was so powerful? Every argument that I put to Cheryl, Auntie Cheryl, some call I've known Cheryl for so long now that I spoke to her yesterday. I said, what do I call you? And she said, you call me Cheryl. So... Uh, she's a leader in our community. I mean, not just an Indigenous leader, but a leader in our community, a known, well-known person. I've known her for 25 years. And after I spoke on the ABC and said, the first thing I'd like to do is listen to my own Indigenous people. So Cheryl contacted me and said, sit down. We had a chat. It didn't matter what I put to her, the arguments that I'd raised over the last five years. She said, this, this will not make one change to us on the ground. The, 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 vo- that, the voice the, won't. The, vo- the voice won't. Mm-hmm. Uh, that was her main argument because Cheryl said to me, you know, the advances in health service in our own local community, they were locally driven and locally financed. No Indigenous money is coming into it. So to enhance community and connection, this was locally driven. And she made those points very clearly to me, Geraldine. And uh, in the report I heard, I saw, um, she basically sort of, took you on and said, you say you want to listen to us, but you're not listening to us. Well, I said I would listen to them and I have. And you might say, well, there's only a thousand Indigenous people in the whole of your electorate, Russell. Yes, but I've been known to listen very carefully to minority groups throughout my 25 years in the Parliament, Geraldine. And of course, I don't mind giving them a voice then. I don't mind giving Cheryl a voice now as to her concerns. And if I'm going to pay due respect to them, um, I have to listen to what they have to say. And as she said, you are my representative in the parliament. Hmm. You represent us. You're my representative. We don't need other representation. By the way, tell Um, us about your, where is your electorate so we get a sense of um, where we're talking about? East of Melbourne. There's only two seats in Gippsland, one being the seat of Gippsland, Darren Chester from the Nationals and myself as a Liberal in Monash that goes from Phillip Island to um, Wilson's Prom up to Mount Borbore. It's the most beautiful lecture in the whole of Australia. (laughs) 
well said. Um, now, opposition to The Voice, of course, is not unanimous among in the Indigenous community in Gippsland. In fact, other Indigenous leaders from the same community as Cheryl Drayton, they say the opposite, don't they, that The Voice is needed. I have to ask you, do you listen to those people as well? What do you make of their support for The Voice? I understand that there are other positions even within Cheryl's group. Um, but there are two groups in my area. One that um, really followed Tarnin's thinking uh, on Senator, uh, on the Senate, along with others on sovereignty, and they're saying no as well, but for a different reason. They're saying no as well, but from a different reason um, to what Cheryl put to me. So, um, yes, there are different views within the Indigenous communities, but um, the, my representatives, I said to Cheryl, can I go leave this room and say my Indigenous leaders do not support the voice? And she said, yes, you can. Hmm. Uh, now, Tarnine Ernest-Brown, I'll bring you in here now. You've been a critic of the idea of a voice to parliament, but you mm. now support the change. <laughs> so you change in the other, other direction. Why? So I've been working on passing the message stick, which is a message research project for First Nations people around the country, but we did one specifically about the referendum. And I was back and forth all year um, working on it and I was thinking, should we do this? And there was an aha moment for me in August and we have this theory of change, and I think it's incredible. And it's um, if we build a groundswell of public support and win a resounding yes, then a wave of transformative change for First Nations people will follow. Because public momentum and demand gives governments a political mandate to act on bold policy reform. And I think that is really important. We saw all that with LGBT people after the marriage equality plebiscite, although, you know, that was awful as well. Public, like the public debate around that was awful. Um, but what we did see is like in Victoria, the banning of conversion therapy, we saw that trans people were able to change their gender markers and also like change their names more easily. I know my partner was able to do that. Uh, we also have seen that the, a commitment to banning surgery from intersex infants. Victoria, I think there's like so many incredible policies that are life-changing that could follow this. And even though the 67 referendum was about the census, we did see that the years following we saw Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander health services opening up around the country and that's the momentum and that builds after these historic events. So it's a representation. It's a representation. What it, 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 you, you, that's what was the turning point for you. You thought this can be whether what I, I yeah. Have, yeah yeah not what I think about the voice is sort of become slightly sidebar. Mm. Yeah, and also just what does it mean like when the there is public support for First Nations people. Like, what can change? Like, do we are we able to get the Black Deaths in Custody Royal Commission recommendations in, implemented? And there is, like, a possibility of that because we know that ATSIC was going to do that. 
And Tarnine, when you talk to friends and family and colleagues, what do they make mm-hmm. of your decision to vote yes, even though you're quite critical of the proposal? Do your arguments resonate with them? Yeah, people really do, like, see where I'm coming from. Um, my mum and dad, they're voting yes. Like, they've been kind of yes from the start. And I guess that's also part of what shifted me. Um uh, my dad's been in Bundaberg in Queensland and he is organising. It's really sweet and exciting. Um, but I think as well, like, when the announcement even happened um, for, like, the calling of the referendum on the, was it, what was it, like the 15th of August or something, um, and I was on the phone to my mum watching it and I just thought, oh, I really don't want to watch this because if Albo cries, it's going to annoy me. It's going to annoy me. And my mum was crying watching the announcement and the calling of the referendum and I felt so awful that I wasn't able to hold her in that time because she was remembering the racism that she experienced as a child and she hopes that, like, kids in the future don't have to experience that. Yes, look, it's interesting looking at, you know, some of your statements. Um, for You you were worried about the struggle, um, which I completely understood. You didn't want to participate because you thought, oh, take it away from me, you know. <laughs> I don't want to think mm. about it. And you also, um, you're, you're smart in that you, you say, I agree with much of what the progressive no represents, not the, f- mm. the racist no. They are two mm-hmm. very different campaigns. I thought that was interesting language from you. Yeah, I think what we've seen is that, you know, Peter Dutton and Pauline Hanson and, you know, even just in a price talking about if colonisation still affects um, Aboriginal people and the fact that it's been allowed to spread all these lies like that we're coming for your backyard, which is like something from 30 years ago a life from 30 years ago that still is hanging around and they've been allowed to use those, like, false accusations and false, like, statements to try and move voters. Um, And I think that's the part that I get frustrated with because it's, you know, not true. There's so many things that... Um, they're they're also talking about our capability as First Nations people, that we shouldn't have control over our own affairs, that we shouldn't um, be able to inform the parliament on our policies that affect us. Now, I'm just going to go back to uh, Russell because, um, you know, I just wonder how you're affected by hearing all that, Russell. And, you know, you contributed to a book called Statements from the Soul, The Moral Case for the Uluru Statement from the Heart. Yes. (laughs) So, you know, you're really in a very interesting position. It was a very difficult position. If Tanine's mum was her aha moment, I suppose Cheryl Drayton was my aha moment, like mm-hmm. um, Tanine. Uh, I'm listening very carefully to what she has to say and I read extensively about her and, and what her position is. Um, look, uh, I, I can absolutely, absolutely appreciate everybody's point of view on this issue and that makes it so difficult. Um, I'm not the first person to because we're talking about changing views here. Um, I'm not the first person to change my mind like Tarnine. Um Malcolm Turnbull as Prime Minister said no. Mm. Yet he said yes. Julie Bishop, 
on that same cabinet said no, and now she's saying yes. Um, so Peter Dutton and Barnaby Joyce were part of that cabinet, and they said no then, and they're saying no now. Um, so if, there, if there's some consistency there, well, there's some consistency. But um, look, you know, cha- changing your mind is always very difficult when you've got a background. And I, I must admit, Geraldine, I disappointed many people um, who have been long-time supporters of mine. Um, look, I'm going to leave you both because I want to play, um, thank you very much indeed, I really respect it, I want to play a fantastic rear vision episode going back to the problems around access. I think it tells us a lot about where we are right now. We had a very extensive regional office network around Australia, so the regional operations were critical because they served 35 regional councils. But the fact of the matter is that it was the regional councils with the very little discretionary money that they had left to make the decisions were in fact in charge of that budget and in the main they used it much better than had it been done by bureaucrats alone because they knew the communities. Now every region had its regional plan. We had a profile on every Aboriginal community and Torres Strait Islander community in Australia We knew how many people lived there, what sort of facilities they had, what sort of community infrastructure, what the water, power, sewerage or other sorts of waste disposal systems existed in every Aboriginal community. Now, that was from a Rear Vision episode of April the 2nd of this year, which I really commend to you. If you are in this business of sort of trying to wrestle, as uh, both Russell and Tarnine have, as, as to how to feel, it really takes you back to the abandonment of ATSIC uh, and just how much that plays into the strong views being held by all sorts of people around this issue. So, look, I do suggest um, it, it just shows how various governments have tried to establish representative Indigenous advisory bodies, but none of them have lasted. So go back to Rear Vision and my thanks to Tani Nonis-Brown and Russell Broadbent. And we will be back after eight with the Yom Kippur War. News time. Getting in touch with ABCRN is easy. Join the conversation live using the ABC Listen app's call and text features.